Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my trusted colleague Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's our midweek show, our Wednesday show, and that means we look ahead at the Packers' next opponent. We've already been talking a little bit about the Chicago Bears this week. You look at the Bears' 2019 season and... There's really only one way to describe it, and that's streaky. Yeah, they, absolutely. They won three straight games after the Packers beat them in week one. Then they lost five in a row. And then since the five-game losing streak, they've now won four out of five, including three straight, as they come to Lambeau Field in week 15 for a noon Central Time kickoff on Sunday. And as we talked about yesterday – their season's on the line. Yeah, so if you go by that streak, I mean, they're ready for a Yeah, a lull it's, supposed, right to, now, it's right? supposed to dip back the other way <laughs> here right. down the stretch, to, right? This roller coaster is supposed to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, th- I, the one thing I've said before, I said it earlier this week, Chicago is so much better than their record indicates. Uh, they, they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. They, they are able to hurt you in different ways. They can beat you in a multiple of other ways. And they can win low-scoring ball games too, with the way that their defense plays. Yeah. The key to all of this has been Mitchell Trubisky. And when he's healthy and when he's right, they play pretty good football. Um, when he's either not healthy or not right, more often than not, they've lost. They've built this thing around him. We knew that going into this season. The moves that they've made both on offense and defense have been centered around their young quarterback and feeling like this is the guy that's going to lead them back to the championship land. So the tough part of it is when you're trying to assess them is what you're going to get in any given week. They did what I think if they could make an actual claim down the stretch here being a playoff team, they had to do what they did in Dallas. Uh, They needed to dictate that game. They needed to impose their will upon the Cowboys, and they did all that. Dallas put up some points at the end, but for the most part, it was a pretty clean game there for the Bears. Yeah, when you look at the fact that Dallas took the opening kickoff mark, marched right down the field and scored and went up seven to nothing, and then I believe the score was thirty-one to seventeen before Dallas scored again. So, in through the center stretch of the game, the Bears outscored the Cowboys thirty-one to ten. It was a pretty dominating performance. It really was, and now they've put themselves in a position much like the Packers. The Packers talk about one and zero each week. They talk about. Winning the game that's in front of them, Green Bay, to be at this point at 10-3, and three, they've put themselves in this position, and the Bears have made themselves alive again in what would have appeared to be relatively obscure, you know, obscure chance of making a playoff run here at the beginning of December. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually made the comment in Insider Inbox that if anybody had anticipated this surge by the Bears. I don't think this game would have stayed at noon uh, as I I think it would have been flexed into a different time slot. And interestingly, a reader had uh, I was going to mention that. How interesting is that? Yeah. The last time the Packers and the Bears played a noon kickoff at Lambeau Field was in 2008, Aaron Rodgers' first season as the starting quarterback. I, I didn't realize that, but you go back through every year, and it's like the vast majority have been primetime games, and then there have been there one, one or two others that were 325 kickoffs. So just a strange scheduling anomaly. When I think back to 
my youth that when the Packers played the Bears, it was always at noon. That's yeah. just that's just the way uh, the way it was. Now but, you would never hear about this stuff. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the the other thing I'll say too, and I think I mentioned this on the show like a week or two ago. The margins, as we talk about, are so slim in the NFL, and you look at the fact that. You know, the the one game that hangs out there for the Bears that could have potentially changed everything and changed the look of this game and their month of December was the Chargers game when Eddie Pinheiro missed the kick on the last play of the game that right. would have won the game. If the Bears are sitting here at eight and five instead of seven and six with three games to go, we're having a completely different conversation about where they stand. I don't think motivationally things would be any different because uh, because everything is is still on the line, but certainly their chances um, would look a lot different. And I, I think the biggest reason their defense has been pretty solid all year long. I think the biggest reason the Bears have gotten themselves in this position is because they've cut Mitch Trubisky loose a little bit with yeah. uh, with his legs, with the running, his scrambling out of the pocket, running read option, um, and uh, and some designed runs in that sense for the quarterback. Now, he did play some games earlier in the season when he wasn't 100% healthy, and maybe the game plan, the play calling, all of that, they had to protect him a little bit. I don't yeah. know if I don't know if that's the case, but what I've seen the last few games as Chicago started to get on a roll here is the Trubisky that was running a lot with the ball, both both read option and scrambling out of the pocket on pass plays, that uh, really helped this Bears offense win the NFC North last year. Yeah, and I mean, you go back and look at it last year, Mike, 68 rushes for 421 yards and three touchdowns. This year, in two fewer games to this point, only 36 for 143. You got to let your young quarterback be who he is and allow him to be the type of player that has made him as exciting and is you know filled him with as much potential as this fan base feels he has. Well, almost half of that 143 that he has rushing yards this year was against the Cowboys right. last week. I think 60, he had 60 some yards. 60 some yards. So yeah. To be able to get him out again, I, I just you look at him. You you don't have to be a scout to understand that that's where that guy is at his most comfort comfortable. No, he's had some challenges. Losing Trey Burton was a big challenge. I mean, I think a yeah. lot of people going into the season, they thought that was going to be, again, his number one target. He hasn't had that. Allen Robinson took a step forward in this offense. Anthony Miller's a guy I loved going back to the draft. Uh, slot receiver out of Memphis. Very talented young man. Bears he, did, too, because they traded up to select did. him, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, and he's emerged more as a, a playmaker in this offense. The thing that I think has hurt them the most is they don't have Jordan Howard. And... Tarek Cohen is more of a gadget type back. Yeah. And David Montgomery, I think, has potential in this league. But the thing that works so well with the Jordan Howard thing with them, it wasn't just with Trubisky, it goes before him. He just he was that north and south, put your head down, just kind of a grindstone type player. They ended up signing Mike Davis. That didn't work out. They ended up cutting Mike Davis to enable themselves to get that comp pick back. That would have cost him, I believe, a fourth rounder if they would have held on to him. Yeah. So Trying to find a run game to complement Trubisky has been it's been a stress so far this season. And I think that's one of the things that has kind of factored into this and maybe gotten them out of their offensive rhythm a little bit. But you're seeing it in the last few weeks where they could potentially be a threat and uh, in, in why they can, you know, go out there and dictate tempo in AT&T Stadium against Dallas. 
It's because they found that game was actually weapons. at Soldier Field. Soldier by the Field, way. sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, why they were able to dictate tempo in a game like that because you have those type of things working in your favor then. And again, it's going to be interesting to watch exactly which Trubisky we see. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the Packers have seen both of them. They've seen the guy that can throw, and they've seen the guy that sometimes looks lost in the pocket. So being able to get Preston and Zadarius going again, like they did in week one when both those guys really emerged and said, okay, these are playmakers. These are guys that are going to affect football games. That's going to be big. Along with Kenny Clark, one and a half sacks last week, had a really big performance against Chicago in week one. They need that pressure again from the inside. Yeah, I think the Packers do need to get the pressure, but I think they have to be careful because of Trubisky's ability to scramble here. And the Packers did rack up a bunch of sacks back in week one at Soldier Field in this matchup. But I think you're going to have to rush this quarterback in a little bit more disciplined fashion maybe than the Packers did the first time because if you know on third and six or third and seven if he just starts breaking the pocket you know if if the rush lanes break down and there's no integrity there to kind of hem him in you know he can get out and pick up those six seven yards and move the chains pretty easily and I just from from my perspective I would much rather make Mitchell Trubisky beat me with his arm um, when he is struggling to develop some rapport with tight ends. And, yes, he's getting some things going with Allen yeah. Robinson. He's had him all year. Anthony Miller definitely coming on as of late. And uh, and we know the Packers have had some struggles against tight ends, but the you know the, the Bears haven't had that key guy all season yeah, long. Yeah, I mean, but uh, but I you just you can't let this guy get out of the pocket play after play after play. You've got to keep him in there and make him beat you throwing the ball. Yeah, that, and that's why I really liked Clark in Week One because when you get that pressure inside and you can collapse the yeah. pocket that way, that's what allows your edge rushers to hold their integrity a little bit more on the ends. And yeah, you brought that up too. I want to point that out. Tight end has been a tough position for them. They found something with Trey Burton, but then he's out and on injured reserve. Adam Shaheen just really hasn't worked out for them at this point. Now yeah, he's they spent also a injured second too. round pick. Yeah, he was the big kid out of Ashland a couple yeah. years ago. Um, and yeah, right now, they have five tight ends on their roster, but nobody that has over sixty receiving yards. I think to this point, maybe Wim. Well, yeah, but maybe is it Wims? Does Wims have it? I'm trying to think. But it, be that as it may, while well, Wims is a receiver, so they're struggling. He to looks find, like a tight end. He though. is. I mean, he's two twenty, but yeah. Um, they, they haven't been able to find that guy. Yeah, and in, yeah. in this absence of Burton, I mean, you saw what he brought last year in exactly, especially for a young quarterback, how important those kind of players can be. That's going to be something to watch. And in addition to the fact that they've had to do some moving around with their offensive line too. I mean, Charles Leno's a pro bowler now, uh, but they lost Kyle Long early in the season. It's it's a, It's been a grind. And trying to see exactly which offense we're going to see with the Bears. Because if you go statistically right now, Michael, I think they're, what, 28th in passing – 29th, yeah, 28th in passing, 29th in total yards, 29th in running, 26th in points. It has been a, you know, not the cleanest year for Matt Nagy's offense. Yeah, well, we will uh, switch gears to the defensive side of the ball after this uh, sponsor business. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering online, I'm sorry, whether you're ordering catering or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs. We believe in better. Okay, so for all the changes that the Bears have made on offense with what they're doing with Trubisky, with Montgomery being the lead back now as opposed to Mike Davis in week one when the Packers met them the first time, defensively a lot of things look the same. They didn't they they got a new coordinator this year in Chuck Pagano, but they didn't exactly reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Um they're playing Chicago Bears defense. 
we're waiting to see if potentially they activate Akeem Hicks off of injured reserve. He's um, He has sat out the requisite eight weeks of games that are required um, for a player who goes on IR. So that could be a big change in terms of how they look up front. But Roquan Smith is out for the rest of the season. They're uh, young, prized inside linebacker. He's being replaced by by, I believe he's a fourth or a fifth-year veteran. Um, well, they got Kevin Pierre-Lewis is the Pierre one that's Lewis, kind of that's stepped the up. One I'm, that's and, the one I'm thinking you of. You know, Nick Kwiatkowski is also a guy that they have there behind Danny Trevathan. So they, they are pretty deep, actually, at inside linebacker. But as you just said, Mike, real constant, you can't replace that guy. Yeah. He's just so fast. He's so quick. He's great for that position. Yeah, top 10 pick in the draft a couple years ago. Yeah, so losing him, that's a big that, – that really hurts. Now, he was already injured. I think it was mostly just trying to figure out, okay, is it like the, the orange Burks thing is he going to need surgery can he play through the torn pectoral or where is this going to put him he does need the surgery so he'll put his best foot forward now for next season but again had another 100 tackle season looks like he's going to be a real nightmare Akeem Hicks is the real interesting one here in this equation because we don't know exactly where he's at or what the timeline was for that injury but we said this going back to when the day that he was placed in injured reserve, I think you and I were already counting up the weeks. And yeah, we're like, yeah. I, I, look, I looked at it right away, and I was like, oh, well, he if if he's healthy enough, he'll be eligible to come back to play Green Bay, and uh, and sure enough, here we are. Yeah, and, and this is how it works out. So we'll have to see where the week goes with that. But, dude, Mike, you look at it. There are so many talented guys on this team. You know, and Eddie Goldman's been a nose tackle I've been high on for years. Nick Williams, his backup at that position, has six sacks this year. Khalil Mack only has seven and a half sacks, but he has five forced fumbles. Uh, I mean, I think HaHa Clinton Dix has been a really nice addition for them. And I know so many times people want to make it about HaHa versus Adrian Amos. I, I actually think it's kind of funny. When you shuffle the deck up, I think both of those safeties ended up probably in a defense that fits them better. In I terms agree. Of what their role and what they're being asked to do. I agree completely. Clinton Dix already had that rapport with with Eddie Jackson. We talked about that at the beginning of the season. Those guys yeah. go back to Bama together. Right. And and then certainly uh, Kyle Fuller is one of my favorite cornerbacks in this league. So th- there are a ton of guys that can hurt you. Thirty sacks on the year for that defense. I think they're right around the top ten still again this year. They're maybe not as dominant as they were last year with Vic Fangio, but they're still very good with what. Paget- Chuck Pagano has them doing. Yeah, I mean, you know you're going to have to deal with uh, Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd coming off the edges. Um, Cornerback-wise, though, have you heard anything? Are they getting Prince Amukamara back? Because he's been injured, hasn't he? Yeah, I don't know where that's been. See, this is the tough thing when we do the show this time of the week is nobody actually wants yeah, to we say don't, what they're doing. Yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not up to speed but, on where things are injury-wise. But I, I had heard some rumors that it was, it was possible that he could be back this week to play against the Packers, but nobody was saying anything for sure. So the Chicago Tribune is reporting that uh, Amukamara and Akeem Hicks both hope to return for the Bears. But the problem is with Amukamara's injury, though, is it's a hamstring. Yeah. And I think there were some questions about how much time he's going to need. That we've talked about it over the years. Those soft tissue injuries, it's just not a three to six week window. It's it's okay. Is this guy going to be able to go? Yeah. And cold weather doesn't exactly help with those types of. He's been a revelation either. for this defense though, over the last three four years. I actually thought when he first got to Chicago, I really had some questions about if his better days were behind him. Oh, absolutely. Because he'd already yeah. bounced I around. Felt, I felt the same way. I think he'd already been in Jacksonville, right? Since he'd been in. In, with the Giants. Yeah, he was with the Giants for a long time. And for him to go in there and hold that spot down and, and be able to do what he's done, I think he's been the perfect complement to Fuller on the other side. They've had those two guys. That's been their one-two now for 
three, four years, and it works for them. And to have Eddie Jackson then over the top of it, one of the young emerging safeties in this league, it's a good, formidable group, and it's one of the reasons why the Bears are 7-6 and six at this point in the season. Yeah, well, certainly in the secondary, they look a lot different if they have that pair, as in Kyle Fuller and Amukamara as the top two cornerbacks, and then the rest of the depth fills in behind them. We all know how it goes with any team when you lose one of your top two cornerbacks and then you know there's that domino effect where everybody has to uh, shuffle around and and take on new roles so well we talked about the Bears on both sides of the ball um, compared to week one against the Packers the offense looks very very different the defense is still the Chicago Bears defense they're giving up I believe it's only about 17 points per game yeah which uh, which ranks I believe in the top five in the NFL right now Quickly, what do you what do you think is the biggest difference in the Green Bay Packers on either side of the ball compared to week one when these teams met the first time? What sticks out to you? I will answer that question because I have many thoughts. Uh, the Bears you were saying with, was it points per game? Was I believe it it's 17. Yeah, 17.8. They are sitting at fourth right now. That's yeah. behind New England, Buffalo, and San Francisco. Packers are much different in a number of ways. I think, one, uh, for all the ups and downs they've had offensively, I think you've seen more of a blend towards what this offense is going to be. It's one thing to have a blueprint and a vision, but, Mike, you know this with anything that you do in life. You can't just walk into something and be like, okay, this is how it's going to be done. When you have 11 offensive players on the field at the same time, when you're dealing with 25, 26 guys on a 53-man roster with an entire coaching staff and injuries that can change things in a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. And I think Matt LaFleur has done a really nice job of rolling with the punches. And for as much as the outside narrative to this point is been about identities and you know are they doing the way are they running the offense the way they want to run the offense under LaFleur it's you also got to find things that you're good at right and you and I were discussing at the end of yesterday's show whether it's some of the the passing schemes that they put together with the running backs uh some of the games that you know you look at Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard that they've had and overall just the general principles that the Packers have installed this offense still has a lot of potential now this is a big test they're going to probably need to put up more than 10 points uh, like they did at Soldier Field in order <laughs> I think, to win this I think, one. Yeah, I think it's going to take more than that. Because I think Matt Nagy, with you know how influential he is and with this offense and, and his ability to evolve and adapt, they're not going to let that happen again. They're going to challenge Mike Pettin's group in ways they probably weren't challenged in Week 1. So th that's what always makes these matchups really intriguing. This is the first time Matt LaFleur will see an opponent for a second time uh, in his time as the head coach, not counting preseason, of course. Yeah. So uh, all, all these things on the table, I just think where the Packers stand right now, what we know that we didn't know in week one is that Aaron Jones can be a, a viable number one option for an entire offense, not just a backfield. You can run an offense through him. He has that capability. Jamal Williams can turn it up at any time you need him to. And the Packers, for all that's been made and maybe not having that number two receiver to Devontae Adams, they've had so many different guys step up at clutch moments of the season. It hasn't been that they've been just trying to throw guys in there to find somebody. They've rotated guys through, and they've found guys and put them in positions that make them successful based on their skill set. Yeah. I mean, we certainly saw in week one, you know, the debut in the regular season of Matt LaFleur's offense with Aaron Rodgers. We saw the Packers trying to establish that outside zone running game. It wasn't really working against the Bears at all. About a month into the season, and really the Dallas game, the switch was kind of flipped to where yeah. the Packers went to more of the inside zone running game and uh, those runs up the middle. And that's really become 
the staple of the running game and the runs that go outside more often than not are ones that bounce outside. They're not necessarily designed to go that way, but that's where you take or advantage. Or it's a full stretch. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, We've you, seen take, that you too. take advantage of that, that vision of a player like Jones, but even the, uh, the 42 yard run that he broke off, um, last week against Washington, that was an inside run. And, you know, it, it, it hit inside. And then when he got to the second level, you know, Jones took it from there. So I think that's one significant difference that we, uh, that, that we see here. And also the Packers are going to go into this game, presumably barring, you know, any setbacks, but with four active tight ends yeah. on the 46 man roster, which we saw last week led to a lot of three tight end packages, which the Packers both ran the ball and threw the ball out of and that's something I don't I don't think the Packers lined up with three tight ends against the Bears in week one very no. much if at all yeah. um, in that game so the, those are the kinds of things that you know the coaches see those on film and those get worked into into practice to preparing for you know an opponent that you know but then the coaches are in the meeting room pointing things out saying okay these are the things that we didn't see before this is what we have to be ready for yeah there was a time in the month of September I don't even know if Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis were on the field together at the same time it was either that yeah, they would run true. Graham and 11 personnel or they would go at Lewis and Tanya in their you know their other packages I really liked what you saw uh, I, I it's unfortunate the Packers weren't able to sustain that for four quarters but that first quarter was there's was a lot of potential there mm -hmm. uh, because you know Jimmy Graham had a nice catch but Jay Sternberger was open on that play too on the backside uh, you've seen Robert Tanya and what he can contribute now that he's put that hip injury behind him in Mercedes Lewis we talked so much about uh, Jake Kumro made a phenomenal block on that play that sprung Aaron Jones yeah after Jones took it to the outside hip of Elton Jenkins, so did Mercedes Lewis to wedge that off and to give him just enough space to get upfield and be able to stretch that thing for 42. I, I really hope people don't get too fixated on the inside versus outside zone stuff because I feel like Matt LaFleur did what was best for the offense in general. In that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No no question. Yeah, I, just, I just think it's – I think the Packers have presented – since the Dallas game, they presented a very different look with their running game absolutely. than what they were trying to do in September. Yeah, and I, what I like is that it's just understanding, okay, what – what do Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones both do well for whatever reason? Because they have different skill sets. They both fit the inside zone a lot better. And maybe it's just because of Elton Jenkins jumping in there and making some nice blocks. Maybe it's just because of that athleticism that they, that's probably the most athletic they've been at that interior uh, offensive line position in years. So there's so many different things that go off of it. And I'm sure it'll be a conversation again this offseason which direction the Packers want to be their foundation moving forward but as it relates to this year if Aaron Jones is your top playmaker you feed that guy you play to his strengths and the Packers have allowed him to do that to this point yeah one last thing I want to ask you about the Bears before we go because I made this comment in the insider is inbox it about Eddie column Pinero? as well no it's not about okay. Eddie Pinero it's about Matt Nagy and what I want to ask you is that okay where the Bears are they're seven and six they're looking at you know trying to keep this rolling to get themselves into the playoffs. We saw Matt Nagy be extremely creative offensively last mm -hmm. season in his first year as the head coach. And I'm wondering with what the stakes are, going up against a familiar opponent, second matchup with the Packers this year and everything, 
Is Matt Nagy going to be digging into his bag of tricks at Lambeau Field? Potentially. If we were going, if this was at Soldier Field, I would say yes. Okay. Um, I'm glad you corrected me earlier because one of the things the Bears have been able to do on this run is they've been back to back with these home games, I believe, if I remember correctly. So I mean, they've been able to to kind of refine themselves at home, similar to what the Packers have yeah, done. Yeah, they did. They beat they beat the Lions. Well, in this stretch of winning four out of five, they've beaten the Lions twice, once in each stadium, yeah. and then they also have the uh, the home win over Dallas on Thursday night. Now coming into Lambeau with a little extra and rest. Did they did they beat the Giants in New York then too? I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, that was in Chicago. That was in Chicago yeah. as well. So, yeah. I mean, they've been able to kind of find themselves back at home. So I'm curious, and this is probably gonna be one of those get loud Lambo kind of days, but <laughs> it this is the line, right? Because you have Trubisky in a good spot. How creative do you want to be right. in potentially forcing him out of his comfort zone, as opposed to doing maybe some of the stuff that you put on film the last couple of weeks, but have obviously worked for him? That's Matt Nagy's question this yeah. week. It yeah. would not surprise me though to see some of that creativity. Certainly, the motion stuff is very popular with him. I would imagine we're going to see some downfield shots because that's the best way to take a, a road crowd out of it. Um, so, I think the, I, I'm just I'm going to say I think the Packers have to be have to be ready for some tricks because if Mike Pettin's defense at all starts the game does what it was doing against the Bears back in Week One and with where the Bears are in their season right now I think it becomes pull out all the stops time because and, you have and, nothing to lose and and, and Matt yeah. Nagy has Matt Nagy's got a whole list on that right. on that call sheet of stuff that he can go to I just I think the Packers have to be prepared for anything yeah absolutely all right well with that we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com you can subscribe to us like us on iTunes and other podcasts services and check out the Packers YouTube channel for all kinds of great video content. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.